Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Cryptids of the Corn. Each week, Justin and Jay take a look at a topic in the crypto and paranormal world. They focus on the Midwest and Appalachia of the U.S., but sometimes they venture out. With everything from well-known monster sightings to one-off cryptids, live person interviews to actual fieldwork sneaking in some science lessons, there's sure to be something you'll enjoy. Please join us this episode of Cryptids of the Corn. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Cribs of the Corn podcast. I'm the great and powerful mystery. And I am curiously uh, searching for the answers to life, Jay. <laughs> and together, we're Cribs of the Corn podcast. Thank you for joining us back this week. Quick front of house stuff. Remember, we have Patreon uh, that comes with weekly episodes, uh, meet and greets, uh, uh, Patreon, like they get to pick their own content, mm-hmm. and they have the option to come on the show as like a kind of like a sponsored episode. Uh, it, yep. Andy will be getting hold of you very soon. There's He's, your custom shout out. He's our newest member. Newest member, next on the list. We mm-hmm. do sometimes. We'll do some merch giveaway too, mm-hmm. and I keep forgetting to do that, but we will do that. Patreon's a good old time. Just yep. come hang out with us. All right, now on with the show. Ooh, bum 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 bum. Deep in the Congo River. Where's the Congo? Africa. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's not it's not in South America. That's called the Amazon. Oh, it's not in Indiana either. No. Could be. Wrong Congo. Wrong Congo. Not the drum. Or what? that conga. That's conga. That's the dance. Oh yeah. No, yeah. Maybe conga is the dance and conga drums are what they play. Oh, okay. Okay. Anyways. Not that. Not that deep at in all. In the Congo lives a mysterious beast. Known as Mokeli Mbembe. I've listened to so many YouTube videos. <laughs> and that's how they say it? Yeah. Mokeli Mbembe. It sounds like the automated voice, you know, like a text reader. Leave a message after the beep. Mokeli Mbembe. Exactly. Beep. Which means the one who stops the flow of rivers. Oh. Or a rough translation of that. I was going to say, Mokeli Mbembe rolls out the tongue way smoother than that. The one that stops the flow of rivers. Yeah. So the Mokeli Mbembe uh, is a large dinosaur-like cryptid that lives in the Congo. It is said to look very similar to the sauropod family group. Uh, for layman's terms, the long-necked dinosaurs. Mm. Among those are uh, Adiposaurus and Diplococcus. Diplococcus. Mm-hmm. Is that how you say it? Yeah, basically. It's a scientific, it's a, it's a dinosaur name. Just pick a pronunciation. Uh, the Michaelian Bembe was the focus of a children's book, uh, Cryptid Hunters by Roland Smith. Mm. I actually think I read that. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I read that book. There there have been many sightings in the Congo and in the Cameroon. Yeah, I didn't, I always thought the Cameroon was like a tropical island. What is a it? country. Like it's a country in the, like near the Congo. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I think I'm getting it confused with macaroon. 
Which is a cookie or it's something. Me- its meat is apparently poisonous. As a group of villagers were able to once kill one, and everyone who ate the meat died shortly after. Oh, poisonous or cursed? Poisonous, I think. Oh, okay. Besides the Sasquatch, Loch Ness Monster, and Mothman, Mokelion Bembe is one of the most known worldwide cryptids. Mm. And it does. It, it's always kind of on the like the back burner of most cryptid places. Like a lot of people, there's so many sightings, so many credible people have gone after it. Yeah. But still nothing's turned up. And we'll kind of get to why. You know, we'll talk about how dangerous the Congo is and stuff like that. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, it's not a good place to go. Ever. No, not if you're not uh, experienced in traveling uh, dangerous jungles. In war zone. I'm more talking about the war zone. Oh, okay, that too. I mean, that's a jungle, it's a rainforest, but it's no different than any other rainforest. Everything that bites you probably will kill you. True. But there's also constantly wars, drug trafficking, and it's Uh, not very friendly to white people. Yeah, For good reason. I wonder. Yeah. All right, so in the jungles of of Central Africa... And, you know, countries of the Congo, Cameroon, Gadun, Gad, Gabun. I have no idea. Yeah, uh, there were reports of this animal with a long neck, a long tail, round-shaped tracks with three claws. The closest known animal that fits this characteristics would be one of the members of the sauropod dinosaur family. Okay. Uh, when some of the locals, people of the Lycalora region, Lycalora region, would draw it in the dirt or in the sand of the representation of the Mokelion Bembe. They drew the shape of a sauropod dinosaur. And when they were shown pictures of sauropod dinosaurs, they said this picture is of the Mokelion Bembe. Mokelion uh, Bembe, once again, means the one that stops the flow of rivers. A French priest in the region called it a monstrous animal. Mokelion Bembe is used as a generic term to refer to other animals like the Yamaranaka, Described as an animal with a long neck and tail, with other with characteristics of a sort of dinosaur. There's a couple other cryptids in this area that kind of fit the same description. Okay. But the Mokelion Bembe, I think they're all the same thing. Yeah, but the Mokelion Bembe for the like Alora region is the one that, the name that got out. Okay. Uh, but yeah. So an elephant. Oh, I'm missing a piece. Sorry. Its length has been reported to be between. Five and ten meters, 16, uh, 32 feet. The length of its neck is said to be between 1.6 and 3.3 meters, five to ten feet. And the length of its tail is 1.6 to 3.3 meters, five to ten feet again. Mm-hmm. The reports out of Cameroon have reported that Mokele and Bembe uh, have been measured up to 75 feet in length. That's huge. Uh, they have been also reports of a frill on the back of the neck. Ooh, like in a Jurassic Park? No, not like that. Like a, almost like a mane. Oh, okay, like a lion? No, not like a not over the whole face, like a horse. Oh, running okay. along the back of the neck. Gotcha. Okay. The frill is like a comb from a male chicken, or the mane of a horse. There you go. Next line. Oh, but yeah. So it's also been reported to have small horns on its head. It could be based on ter- or, uh, terrifying. It's basically, it's been terrifying locals who have found bones of prehistoric uh, sauropods. There's a bunch of them. None of them are one of the, any of the well-knowns. So there's kind of a thought that maybe they were finding these bones and kind of piecing together what they look like. And just like guessing yeah. what this thing is? Yeah. Okay. 
the color of the skin is are, is pretty much just always red brown uh, with a color range of gray brown. So there's not a lot of reports. Uh, the reports of no hair on the animal besides maybe the frill in the back of the neck. It's kind of hard. Huh. They don't get to see it very often. So it's mostly hairless? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. This isn't a big chatty, chaggy thing. There has been a lot of expeditions for this thing. We're going to go through all of them. Oh, okay. I have four pages of expeditions. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, people have gone looking for this thing and not found it. But before we get into that, so basically you have a long-necked, long tail. So the tail and the neck are almost the same length in most of the sudden. This creature is not totally gigantic, though. It's not much bigger than an elephant when you think about it, besides the neck and the tail. Lengthwise, it's much bigger, but height, Lengthwise, yeah. overall height. And her- yeah, the actual core of the animal yeah. is pretty similar to an elephant. It's larger, for sure, but not, not like an Argentinosaurus which is one of the biggest animals on land of all time. Yeah. You know, it's not this skyscraper of an animal you're picturing. Right, yeah. Yeah, uh, this is, you know, very biologically plausible and not being found, you know. Oh, yeah. Because it's... Anything in the Congo, I think, is... So, Macallion Bambay lives in the river. Okay. Uh, it rarely comes out. Everybody that says they see it feeding, uh, it's reaching up above, eating leaves out of the river, using its long neck. So it doesn't have to get out. Yeah. There are tracks of it on land. It just doesn't like to do it very often. Okay. Um, it's more like a hippo. I think the one video I seen, it was supposed video of it. It was in the river, if yeah. I can recall. Yeah. So it's more like a hippo, and it doesn't swim, per se, as more along the lines of walking on the bottom. Okay. Hippos are negatively buoyant. They cannot swim. Yeah. They're not very good swimmers. But they, they cruise along the bottom pretty. They can run very fast along the bottom of the rivers. Yeah. And uh, they can hold their breath a very long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, I, it's a very similar thing to that. Some people say the Macallan Bembe hibernates for part of the year. Oh, okay. Which would be very weird to hibernate in a jungle. Why is that? Because if the temperature doesn't change? That, and yeah, there's not really a big shift in food abundance. Hmm. So is that is there any creature you can point to as an example for that or no? Not in not in a tropical rainforest. Right. Okay. Uh, the only thing that would be close is like alligators in Florida sometimes hibernate. Yeah, but that's when it's really cold. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, it's there's not a lot of animals like that, so that's kind of weird. But they they basically they do have these weird mud dens that appear, and then they get covered back up, and then they'll have a little vent hole. It almost hmm. looks like. So they point that they live in these like mud caves they make under the water. There's also some evidence that they may be digging like a beaver will do, digging out underneath. And make sure there's a little hole for fresh air. Right, yeah. The so they flow. have a pocket in the riverbank. Yeah, that makes sense. So I don't think they're hibernating. And I'm not saying they don't live in there, mm-hmm. but I don't think they're hibernating. I never got that. I I think it was either Monster Quest or something. They were really bringing up the hibernation theory. Yeah. Because they're like, we're just going to dig them out. And they would sit there and they would dig and they would dig and they would dig. And then they'd hear a gunshot and they're like, we're going to leave. Now hear a gunshot. That was a joke. Oh, okay. Because it's the Congo. Oh, gotcha. Okay. <clears throat> but no, they never dug one out. Well, obviously. I wonder if they also, too, like, what if they just take long naps? Right. And they could sleep. I mean, hippos sleep a long time. Right, yeah. Uh, I keep bringing up hippos because the niche that seems to be filling is very similar to a hippo, except it's eating vegetation above the not, canopy. Not in the river. Yeah. Right. Hippos don't eat much in the waterways themselves. They get out at night and graze. Oh, okay. Uh, but, yeah, very aggressive. Macallan Bembe. It's hyper aggressive. Overturns hmm. boats, attacks people. 
there's some are mixed reports of them actually eating people. Uh, I think it's more or less like a, what a hippo would do is that literally attack a person, maybe with its mouth. Yeah. And then, you know, it's not eating them. It's just wanting to kill you faster. Right, yeah. Um, it's they, get, getting rid of you. They are also known as hippo killers. Uh, they do not get along with hippos. They're also known to scare elephants out of the river. Hmm. They are known to be hyper-aggressive. And there was, I think it was that same Monster Quest episode where they were taking a fish finder and, you know, map in the bottom. Yeah. And they had this big, like, 30-foot-long lump that was standing off the bottom. And they're like, okay, that's a tree. So they came back around and did it again. It was gone. Oh, okay. So it looked kind of like something was running along the bottom. Yeah. Like, they just might have gone over it or mm-hmm. just sitting down there. What if they, what if they missed their path off of it by a little bit? That could happen, too. Yeah. You should have seen a chunk of it, though, if it's a tree. Oh, if true. True. I don't know. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate. Yeah, no, no, no. That's a good point. You know, if you're tw- ten or twenty feet off, you could be completely miss it altogether. Yeah. yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident they really were looking in that area because that'd be a pretty good indicator. The amount of belief in this cryptid mm-hmm. is staggering. Yeah. Oh, there's evidence. Not evidence, but there's accounts almost everywhere. Uh hundreds of years. I mean, there have been stories. Well, I have basically the first expedition we'll get it to is in 1909. Ooh, okay. And they have one. It looks about at least about every decade, sometimes two or three in a decade. Hmm. So nobody's ever given up. But like we'll talk about later on is things like war and stuff can change, can really limit the time frame you have to look for these things. Time frame, opportunity, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. And the amount of technology you're allowed to bring in. Oh, true. Yeah. Because uh, they. Basically, they don't want they don't want you to be a spy. They don't want you assisting anybody, and you have a whole bunch of gear that they don't understand or they don't know what it does. Yeah, then it might as well be spy gear. Might as well, or exactly. Jeremy Wade had a famous problem with that. Oh, really? He got a. I think was it in Viet, uh, which which country? It was a communist country, but hmm. he was right on the border of it, mm-hmm. and he got arrested and detained because he was literally had a fish finder on a pole. Going through the river, trying to mark habitat for one of these giant catfish. Like oh, Mekongs. gotcha. And they thought... Oh, I think it's probably China. It was probably China arrested him. And they were like, oh, he's an American spy. Or he's a British spy. Yeah. And they arrested him, and they took... They, like, went through all of his equipment, and it was crazy. Oh, I bet it is, yeah. Uh, yeah he, I think on the, he did a little thing about it. It was one of the times he'd been really scared. He went, that man was in a plane crash, two plane crashes in 12 hours. What? Yeah. I think that was in the Congo, actually. That'd be worth... I mean, that's a story we're telling sometime. He is an interesting man. He's an awesome dude. Mm-hmm. He's like up there with Les Stroud for me, almost. Yeah, I he's a, I think he's above Les Stroud to me, but I have really? a lot more in common with Jeremy Wade than well, that's true. Les Stroud. As far as respectable characters on TV. Have oh, yeah, I know, yeah. The, both of them are up there, for Ab- sure. Yeah, absolutely. And then... Uh, so, but there's tons and tons. We're gonna go. We're gonna get into it. But anything about the the front end of this before you start getting into expeditions? The descriptions kind of got me. Uh, I don't know my curiosity going. Yeah. Uh, front of house, as I have an ending, so I'm leading you on a. I'm I'm trying to trick you out, home listeners, that it's not a dinosaur. Well, we'll get to that when we get there. We'll get there when we get there. But the descriptions sound interesting. I don't know exactly what it is or could be. There's uh, a, there's a lot of. A weird thing about this cryptid that really set it aside. Hmm. In the overall size, aggressiveness, uh, I can't remember what documentary had literally a dead hippo that they're like, oh yeah, that's one killed. You see the big hole inside of it? Oh, really? They ripped a hole out of it. There's a big chunk, bite chunk? Yeah. 
Yeah, that would be bad. See, but they don't know that. It could that could have been could have been a dead hippo, then a crocodile ripped a hole in, or j- just a small hole, and then like fish got in there and just made yeah. it look huge. Yeah, could have been like a pin. Mm-hmm. A hunter could have shot it. Uh, I don't know. All right, why don't you read our first expedition? Okay, American expedition in nineteen oh nine. Okay, here's another one of them fun names to say. There's That's a, why I handed it over. There's a few of them. Naturalist Carl Hagenbeck. I think that's correct. We'll go with that. Hagenbeck. Recounted in his autobiography how two separate individuals, a German named Hans Schomburg and an English hunter, told him about a huge monster, half elephant, half dragon, which lived in the Congo swamps. Later, another naturalist, Joseph Menges, I'm going to go with that name, related to Hagenbeck, that some kind of dinosaur seemingly akin to the Brontosaurus inhabited the swamps. Hagenbeck soon sent an expedition to the Congo to search for the monster, but the effort was quickly aborted due to disease and hostile natives. Interesting. So, yep, this is our first one. They backed off really quick. What's, what is a Brontosaurus again? Uh, it's the, from Jurassic Park, the first movie. That big dinosaur that's out in the grass, and it's the first dinosaur they see. The big, long neck, tall one. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So, we have skyscraper sauropods, and mm-hmm. we have suspension bridge sauropods. And what? Suspension bridge. Suspension Sus- bridge. Yeah, so basically, uh, the long, you know. Oh, wait. Brontosaurus would be, like, straight t- standing up. Its neck Actually, is... Actually, I need that back. Okay. Sorry. Its neck is on top of its shoulders, going straight up. And then, a, like, a, a diplosaurus and stuff like that would have... A long, its neck is almost as long as its tail as ballots, and they go straight out from each other. Yeah, okay. Like the school bus versus a skyscraper. Gotcha. So it's more like that, right? Supposedly. That's, they don't know. They You'll see. It kind of goes back and forth. Okay. And we'll talk about that later. Of the A little bit of the non-natives arguing about what it looks like for a lot of people that haven't seen it. Gotcha. But okay. yeah, so this first expedition backs off very quickly mm-hmm. because the locals do not want them there hostile natives and a lot of disease congo is a scary place for a lot a a very lot of reasons like oh yeah disease venomous animals lack of hospitals at this point 1909 yeah i'm sure it's pretty barren out there as far as those sort of resources and the natives are not happy yeah well yeah i'm sure they aren't Mm -hmm. um and yeah it ended quickly so that was this that was in 1909 Mm -hmm. so the second one was a german expedition in 1913. Oh, my gosh. This name. You can skip the name. Okay. Captain, I'm just going to say. The captain. Captain Stein Lands Lausnitz. Let's just go with that. There's a lot more going on there, but was sent by the German government to explore the Cameroon. Von Stein, which was this guy, well, we'll call him Von Stein something, but we'll just. Von Stein wrote of a unique animal called the local tongue. Or in the local tongue. <laughs> you read Sorry, me. I'm reading ahead. Mokelium Bimbe, um, said to inhabit the areas near Ubangi, Ubangi and Sanga and Ekelemba rivers. Von Stein describes this creature thus. The animal is said to have be of brownish gray color with a smooth skin. Its size approximately that of an elephant, at least that of a hippopotamus. It is said that to have a long, very flexible neck, and only one tooth, but a very long one. Some say it is a horn. A very sp- 
All right. A few spoke about a long muscular tail, that of an alligator. It is said to climb the shore even at daytime in search of food. Its diet is said to be entirely vegetable. Um, at the Sambo River, I was shown a path said to have been made by this animal in order to get at its food. The path was fresh, and there were plants of described type, a liana nearby, which I'm assuming that's the plant it likes to eat. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole German expedition. All right, I'll take over for a minute. Okay. So, yeah, two expeditions so far, you know, four years apart. The German expedition right before World War I kicks off. Oh. Then they take a little pause because World War I. One took off, yeah. Uh, another American expedition took place in 1920. A 32 men strong expedition. So 32 people. That's that's a pretty big one. Do you want to guess? This is where, where I took this one back from you. Do you want to guess who sent them? The year was 1920? Yep. They're out of Washington, D.C. I was going to guess a present. Maybe put the orders out. Nope. Hmm. Is it the, like the CIA or something? The Smithsonian. No. Yep. The Smithsonian gets its fakers involved. Oh, my. And they sent out a crew of 32? 32 men. That's a lot. That's a lot of men. For 1920, they sent out an expedition. 32 men with the Smithsonian? Okay. So the African guides hmm. found large, unexplained tracks along the bank of the rivers, and later the team heard mysterious roars, which no one had any resemblance of any known animal, coming from the unexplored swamp areas. However, the Smithsonian's hunt for the Milokalian Bembe end, was ended in tragedy. During a train ride through a flooded area where the entire or an entire tribe was said to have been seen or had seen this dinosaur, the locomotive suddenly derailed, turned over. Four of the team members were crushed to death under the, the cars, and half a dozen were seriously injured. Jeez. So they were literally moving from one spot to the other. They were just getting in. They had found tracks. They were right on its tail. They literally were hearing roars. There's some extra stories about this one is that they were they were a lot closer than the, the outside story makes it seem. Yeah. Like they had this thing cornered. They yeah. had a member of Mokelly and Bebe cornered. May and they're in the train and, or what? And then they were leaving they were going I they were leaving one spot to go talk to somebody else. Gotcha. Okay. And it derailed, killed four of them pretty they crashed to death and about half of them were seriously injured. Wow. Wow. And they're all part of the Smithsonian crew. Mm hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. There might be something there to it. What if someone derailed them on purpose? What if it's. There's a lot to that. Okay. What if it's just a cover up? What if the men were going to tell the world and the Smithsonian's like, nope. No, you're not. So, another American expedition in 1932. A man that we will talk about one day on this show Ivan T. Sanderson, the famous. Uh, American cryptozoologist, pretty much the first cryptozoologist. Before Tom Slick, even? Yeah, 1932. Okay. Ivan T. Sanderson. T Tom Slick was a... When did he die? He didn't die that long ago. Mm, I'm trying to remember when he was really fully active. Was it like the 60s, mm -hmm. 70s? Okay. No, he didn't die that long ago. So Tom or Ivan T. Sanderson was traveling in Africa when he came across large hippo-like tracks in the region with no hippos. He was told that by the natives that they were made by a creature named... Uh, there's no syllables in this. Uh, the Mugbulule Imbibi. Oh, okay. 
Later, uh, Sanderson saw something in the water that seemed too large to be a hippo, but it disappeared before he could further investigate. So this is one of the cryptids that Ivan T. Sanderson got really close to, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seemed like he was in the right area at the right time. There was a lot of activity and no hippos. Right. But hippo-like activity. And hippo-like tracks. Mm-hmm. So another American... So we take a break here. There's like, you know, a 40-year gap exactly. Okay. Between Pre- searches. Okay, gotcha. At least documented searches. Who knows if the Smithsonian is a 42-men crew. They might have. It's just not on record. Net. It's not on record. Uh, but the another American expedition in 1972... In 1960, oh, I don't know why I went, oh, so yeah. In 1960, a herpetologist named James H. Powell Jr. took an interest in African dragons and organized an expedition to the Congo in 1972. So do you know what a herpetologist is? Isn't that a study of uh, amphibians? Reptiles and amphibians. Okay, that's close. They lump them together. Gotcha. But yes. So Powell's expedition, unfortunately, was uh, just completely full with problems. The United States and the Congo had really poor relations at this time. Many months of hardship, such as snake bites, near drownings, tons of tropical diseases, uh, only led to more witnesses' testimony about Mokele and Bembe and another lizard-like creature that the locals called Nyamila. Okay. So they didn't get anywhere. Uh, They had a horrible expedition. The people of the Congo were not excited to see them. Mm -hmm. They pretty much hated the Americans at this time. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, in times of war. That was... That was in the... 72. Yep, 72. In 76, uh, James Powell decides he's going to try it again. But he goes to Gaboon instead. Uh, Inspired by the the book called Traitor Horn. So, the book in 1972. The book, a memoir of of the author's time in uh, Gabon. Or, I don't know how you say that, that country. Gabon? I don't know. Anyways. I'd, I'd have to see it. Specifically along the... Ugu, how did you say the the O River? I gotta see it again. Oh my gosh. Anyways, it, he this author was talking about his time in this area. Okay. Uh, the creature... Uh, another creature by a different name, and its tracks were very similar to the Mokele and Bembe's, and the overall sighting was very similar to the Mokele and Bembe. Uh, he had quickly realized that they were probably identical to Mokele and Bembe. So furthermore, Powell decided that local legends of this creature and the locals identified the pictures of sauropod dinosaurs as bearing the most resemblance to the animal. Hmm. The most resemblance. Right. Not a not identical resemblance. We don't have an ID, 100% ID. This is kind of the first time that we are you, you hear this. Like They're like, oh, that's close enough. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what it looks like. That makes sense. So, yeah, he goes to a completely different country, same river system, or sever, same river basin, uh, for a different cryptid. All these, there's tons, of, like, there's tons and tons of these Mokele and Bembe-like things being described. Okay. I think they're all the same species, it's just local dialects. Yeah, I wonder, it sounds like, like, maybe different versions of the same creature, too. Yeah. Could be, you know. Yeah, it's all the same animal, like, the same species. Gotcha, okay. Just over a bigger area. Yes. Uh, the German expedition in 1980... The Germans had to take a break from expeditions. They weren't allowed out of their country for a while. <laughs> Why is that? Reasons. Oh, okay. Uh, so the German expedition, uh, an expedition mounted by engineer Hermann Regegester, Regegester, yeah, and his wife, Kai. They managed to make their way to Lake Tal, uh, where they heard the growls and the roars of an unknown creature. They also claimed to have photographed the Michaelian Bembe in this lake. 
as well as watching it walk onto land through the bushes. According to them, the creature they saw was 30 to 35 feet long. Which is long, but it's not that tall. No, it's, um, it's not a monster. Yeah. Like, it's not a skyscraper. Like right, Like, some yeah. of the stories paint it mm-hmm. being 8, 10, 15 times the size of a hippo. Right, yeah. No, we're talking about something's body is barely bigger than an elephant. Right, exactly. It's just long. Mm-hmm. Long tail, long neck. And a lot of the time, they don't mention the tail. Really? Yeah. Ooh, interesting. I don't know where the tail comes from. I really okay. don't. Looking at some of these. Um, not saying it doesn't have a long tail. Right. It's just never mentioned that. It's mentioned thing. a couple times. And it's like, it, I remember when I read the original one, it was like, sometimes they say it has a long alligator or crocodile-like tail. And you would wonder if uh, this guy saw it on land, you'd think he would mention it. Mm-hmm. So again, the American expedition in the same year of 1980, Powell launched another expedition. This Powell guy was very determined to get the Mokalem. Yeah, he was. Uh, he's a herpetologist in the U.S. in the time where they really didn't care about much about reptiles or amphibians. So he was... He had free time. Yeah, he was dead set determined. He had free time. Yeah. Uh, so they said... Or so he went... But this time, uh, cryptozoologist uh, Ron P. Markle came along with him. Powell and Markle found a large number of, reporter, or, of reports coming from the banks of another river and near Lake Tal. The same year that the German couple had seen it in Lake Tal. Hmm. Uh, they said it was at most witnesses uh, maintained that the animal was between 15 and 30 feet long, a long neck for much of that length. So, yeah. Once again, no mention of the tail. In right, this. right, yeah. The creature was also said to be a rust color, so still with that same color, that bready brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, and had some had been seen a process of a frill or a crest running along its neck. So another hair mane, yeah, basically. Yep, kind of like a, a giraffe. Yeah, anything like that—a short, thick, brussly. Yeah, horse yeah. giraffe. Yep. Yeah. So another American expedition takes place in 1981. So yeah, so far we haven't really got anywhere. Uh, a lot of eyewitnesses, tons and tons and tons of eyewitnesses. Um, at this point, you're getting. To the spot where the locals are pretty able to ID the areas these things are in because they are they're avoiding them. Mm-hmm. They're known as boat flippers. They're known as man eaters. Uh, they'll stomp you. Sometimes at this is the point where a lot of the villages they've seen a good chunk of the population has seen them. Mm-hmm. So when they go into a village, everybody's like, "Yeah, it's just yeah, that's the thing we we avoid because it will yeah. stomp you to death." Yeah, stay away from that thing. You're looking for it. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck. We'll stay here. So, in 1981, yet another expedition was organized composing of Markle, a new guy, uh, J. Richard Greenwell, another guy, M. Justin Wilson, and zoologist Marceline Angelina. The expedition encountered what they believed was the Congo dinosaur along the Likalua River. Mm-hmm. And they've heard, they heard a large animal leaping into the water uh they were also discovered the path of broken branches supposedly made by the animal as well as a number of footprints this is the expedition that gets that famous footprint photo i believe okay uh or it might be that i think it's this one but uh yeah they found a big trail of broken branches they seem to have spooked it right yeah so it panicked and crushed and jumped into the water it so like. they do have a lot of trails they seem like through the woods that aren't fresh broke breaks mm-hmm. but like well like animal trails just of something the size of a truck. Something huge. Yeah. Okay. And so the fresh breaks are seem to be more when they're uh, being spooked or caught off guard. They're like, oh, I just got to get back to the water. Mm-hmm. 
goes through anything. Very hippo thing. Makes a path. Yeah, very hippo-like behavior. Okay. Is that they do not feel comfortable, confident on land. They'd rather fight you in yeah. the water, basically. Even though it doesn't matter. Yeah. Really, you know, it doesn't matter. It'll squish you regardless. Yeah. yeah. But they'd rather make a break for the water, as that's their, that's their domain. Gotcha. So another uh, American or African expedition, excuse me, an African expedition, finally, uh, in 1983. So in April of 1983, a conglutulous expedition led by, uh, once again, Marceline, as well, just for the Brazazili Zoo, arrived to Lake Tali. Uh, They claimed to have uh, seen the beast some 275 meters out in the lake. The animal held its thin reddish head, uh, which had crocodile. It looked very similar to a crocodile. Or oval eyes and a thin nose. Its height of ninety centimeters, and it looked from side to side, almost as if it was watching him. According to him, the animal was a reptile, though not a crocodile, nor a python, or a giant freshwater turtle. Interesting. Okay. How big is ninety centimeters? Um, I don't know for sure. Three feet. Okay. Um, no, I'm, that can't be right. No, it's fine. I have no idea. I don't know either. Well, let's get the old Google machine mm-hmm. out. And so here, you take over for a minute. Don't worry about it. 90 centimeters is fine. All right. We're at the British expeditions. Okay. Me fumbling <laughs> through names. I don't know why anybody listens to this. <laughs> because we're professional podcasters. Well, why wouldn't they? All right, we got the British expedition in 1985 to 1986. Englishman William J. Gibbons, presently living in Canada, talked to several eyewitnesses who gave him valuable information about Mokeli and Bimbe. He is currently convinced that the dinosaur exists, but at the time was unable to prove it. However, upon his return to the UK, he brought with him the remains of a monkey which could not be identified. This was later classified as a new subspecies of crestless mangabe. Sure. Okay, you don't do you know that monkey? No. Okay, mangabe monkey. There are a lot of weird primates in the Congo. Gotcha. Okay. Well, here's a new one. Fish and insect specimens were also found in the Congos, remained unclassified to date. So I think this anything to pull out of this uh, expedition is just that. They were getting a lot of so things that just another thing that I guess we haven't touched on is a lot of these expeditions weren't only looking for the Mola Kali and Bembe. Mm, they were looking for other things they as were well. Documenting anything they couldn't ID. Gotcha. Uh, so yeah, they, a lot of these expeditions did that. This is just kind of the first one that takes note of it. Gotcha. Yep. Well, yeah, there's a whole another monkey in there that well, it would not. It was not a large monkey. It's just a small one. Yeah. Oh, they just discovered a new species of monkey like within the last three years. Really? That was near a tourist spot. They thought it was another species, and then somebody finally looked at it. It was, I think, it was a type of squirrel monkey. I want to say, huh? And they're like, "Oh, that doesn't look like what we thought it was." So it's something new altogether. Yeah, and they just kind of been ignoring it. Well, yeah, because they have to rewrite some of their books, and no, they just add another page. There you go. Next expedition, Japanese expedition, your favorite. Mm-hmm. Justin, and we're going to eat it. Loves Japanese. I nothing. I don't like the culture of them eating whales. Yes. They eat a lot of endangered species. And he just loves it. He loves it. Absolutely. Leave my whales alone. <laughs> I just get meant the Japanese government allows pretty much uncontrolled whale harvest. <laughs> right. All right. So Japanese expedition, they ate it. That's all it says. No. 
<laughs> That'd be funny. I though. almost put that in there. I wouldn't. It wouldn't shock me. Uh, wait till I get the end. It's probably in there. That's why you're having me read it. Okay. A piece of blurry video footage filmed by the Japanese film crew supposedly showing the creature in Lake Telly. This is the video you've seen. Gotcha. Remains disputable evidence of the animal's existence. The film is indistinct and grainy, possibly just showing two men in a boat with one of them standing upright on the front of the vessel, as is common in Africa. This has been interpreted as a head and neck, but this interpretation of the videotape is purely speculative at best. So yeah, it's probably that famous video, not just me, but most Everybody. of you have seen. Anyone that looks this up. Um, so that's the Japanese expedition. Here we got another British one in 1990. Author and explorer Redmond O'Hanlon returned from his failed expedition convinced that the witnesses must have mistaken an elephant's must have mistaken wild elephants crossing rivers with their trunks in the air for a prehistoric Mokeli and Bimbe. Now, that does fit the kind of image. Think about it. You know, a giant elephant with its, a lot of times the head is reported being small, long neck. True. So it's like a big trunk is the head and the neck, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then you got this big beast under, underneath mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I could see that. I could see that. I mean... I guess you just really have to catch these elephants at the right time. Mm-hmm. And if you're far enough away, who knows? You're... The hippos and elephants fight a lot. Ah, another connection. Mm-hmm. All right. So we got a British, another British expedition two years later in 1992. William Gibbons, which was the guy from the one a few... Things ago. Yeah, a few accounts ago. He tried again. This is six years later. Um, this time with American explorer Rory Nugent. I wonder if he's related to Ted. Probably. Probably. It's probably T- his dad. It might be. Or maybe Ted Nugent's son. Oh, yeah. What year is this? 1992. Oh, so it could be, yeah. Together, they searched almost two-thirds of the unexplored Bay River while also examining two small lakes northwest of Lake Telly. These are Lake... F- I know. Fuluco. Okay, so we're struggling really hard because all these African names... Are very different than our language. Yeah, my I don't think my mouth moves this way to I know. pronounce some of these. There's a lot of G's and B's and K's and and it's like I don't know how a GB sounds. <laughs> um, so we got these two lakes, Lake Fuluco, I'm just gonna call it that, and Lake Tibiki, which are surprisingly absent from most maps. Bum bum bum, conspiracy map making conspiracy. Both are said to haunt to be haunts of Mokeli and Mimbe. Rory Nugent also. Um, took two interesting photographs of something most unusual in Lake Telly. One may actually show the head of Mokeli and Bimbe. So at least he got some evidence on this one. Mm-hmm. Or some speculative evidence. Okay, is that it for expeditions? Uh, we got one more, and that's right. the last one. Let me take that one. All right, it's I'm two- taking it from you. 2006. 2006, another American expeditions. In response, are, as reported by Crypto Mundu, Milt Mercy, Peter Breach, and Rob Mullen left Portland, Oregon for Cameroon on July or J- oh my gosh, on July. January 10th, 2006. The team uh, they teamed up with Perry Sim to conduct the next phase of the cryptozoological research in the Congo and Cameroonian border and search for Kelly and Bembe. No evidence was uh, thought to be collected. Hmm. I think that's the one that was on Monster Quest. Is that oh, okay. Group? Okay. So everybody's watched it. Really cool. It was a really cool episode of Monster Quest. But they never did 
didn't they uh not anything substantial i don't, I don't th- didn't they like hear something and that was like the biggest part of the show which i mean it could have been just i mean yeah a lot of times mckinley movies heard not seen yeah and who's to say it could be you know it, we'll, we'll get to that could just be a guy out in the bushes shaking as far it for as TV. evidence there's no physical evidence of this creature is known of mckinley member several footprints and eyewitness reports uh Reports remain for our best evidence of the creature that may exist. Mm-hmm. In 1987, while flying over Lake Telly, during the production of a dis- uh, of a documentary, a Japanese film crew claimed to have filmed what they believed to be Mokele and Bembe, although skeptics quickly claim the image is a grainy bird's eye view of a man in a canoe like we already talked about. But that's kind of it. Sightings, you know, um, Abbott Pryat was the first report known sighting. Sanders... Uh, Ivan T. Sanders seen a large object in the river. Uh, a couple other cryptozoologists had seen it over time. Hmm. Okay. So that's all the expeditions, but we're not done here. Oh, don't worry. We got a lot. Buckle up. So we're going to talk about the footprints. The cast, like I said, or tracks have been found several times. Uh, they are round in shape, anywhere between 30 and six, or 30 and 90 centimeters, one to three feet. So you're all right. Hey. Just three feet uh, in diameter with three claw-like toes. So do they all have claws? It's kind of like a, like a pointed tone or toe. Like a... Uh, gotcha. I know elephants have, still have their... Toenails. Yes. Yeah. They're armored and th- like thick, mm-hmm. but they're still there. So it would be like that, like a protrusion like that. The distance between these tracks is about 1.2 to 2.4 meters, 7 to 8 feet. So a pretty decent stride. I mean, if you look at an elephant, that's probably about average, I would imagine. Mm, okay. Because their whole leg's about that long. So yeah, I would guess that's about their stride. Um, the basic belief is that Mokele and Bembe does not make any sounds, uh, though they have been, there's been a lot of cl- conflicting reports. So whether it's something more like a crocodilian, which really can just puff air, mm-hmm. they, can't, they don't have vocal cords. Or is it more vocal? Like we read, a lot of the expeditions reported having a lot of roars and howls and i've heard it almost described as bellows okay like elephants uh everybody knows that famous elephant noise when they're really agitated nobody can do it i was gonna try but uh but yeah so this is probably due to the fact that mccallum bambe is a generally used term for animals and sounds that are being confused with a whole list of other cryptids Ooh, like what i'm not reading those names again Oh, okay, darn it. It's all those crazy names. I want to hear you try. But they have growls, rumbles. Uh, McKinley maybe is still believed to live in the pools and the swamps adjacent to the river uh, by the people in the region. So all these little cutbacks, these swamps, these lakes that are a part of the river system but not the full river. It is reported in the river a lot, but it's mostly the adjacent stuff. Gotcha. Um, which would make sense. Where it's hanging out, right. Mm-hmm. I have another thing for you. The Glenna Carthur, how do you say that? The carving, the last sentence on the very bottom. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Glenn Kamara? Glenn Kamara carving. Yeah. So a West African carving of a strange animal currently housed in the Glenn Kamara house in, uh, in Ireland is believed to be, by some cryptologists, to represent Mokele and Bebe. It depicts a scaly animal with a long neck, a small head, cloven feet, a long tail, and a fin structure below the tail. Uh, it is along, alongside a smaller animal, which has similar features, but no neck. 
and its relations with a, the smaller animal is unclear. Although it has been suggested the carving may be a modern creation, it has apparently been at the, the house of where it's been kept since the late 1950s, decades before Western interest in Mokale and Bebe ever started. Hmm. Uh, so you have this carving and really kind of the long neck creature yeah. and the short neck creature together. Yeah. The short neck creature is really similar to a rhinoceros. Okay. The long neck creature looks kind of similar with a longer head and have a bit of a tail. Okay. So you have this kind of depiction. It's weird that they're carved together. Right. Yeah. I agree with that. It's, it's, that's for my thing later. Okay. But there's some kind of connection there between uh, what this creature that appears to be a rhinoceros and this the, the Mokelia Mbembe. Right. If yeah. you want to believe this is an actual carving Mokelia Mbembe, which I kind of think it is. Well, it's in Ireland. Yeah, it's in some kind of I can't say that name, but it's in some kind of house in Ireland, like a like well, a like a museum kind of deal. Well, what kind of connection did they draw that made people think this was a Mokelia Mbembe? It came from the area. The artifact came from the area. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. Yes. I just thought some dude in Ireland's carving in this and saying, hey, I saw this down there. Uh, just a little side note. Mukele Mbembe was featured in, as a kaiju in Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Oh, nice. The one, although it's just a silhouette and the names were shown. So mm. they showed a picture of Mukele Mbembe waking up. Gotcha. One of the titans. Okay. Uh, but yeah. So there, I have the story you told me earlier. At our, uh, our, uh, the, the flying cryptid. I just forgot the name. Oh, the, uh, Kangamoto. Uh, yeah. So I have the Kangamoto story, or that one. So why don't you tell us that story? The Kangamoto? Or not the Kangamoto, uh, your guy that went looking for Mokele and Oh, Bombay. that David, I, yeah. David Choi guy. Uh, I saw it on Joe Rogan. He was talking about. In 2001, correct? Uh, is this, does it say his name in there? David Choi was the guy's name. That's how I remember. If we'll know if it is the same guy or not. At least no. Okay, just go on. Okay. Well, he was. T- I don't remember when he said this happened, but uh, he was traveling. Uh, he heard the story of the Mokali Mbembe, and just decided he's going to travel to the Congo and go search for this. It's just what I think he was like nineteen. He was just like that point in his life. He had nothing. To, didn't know what he was doing. He wanted to do that, so he went went to the Congo and he got there and they told him like, ask him, you know, what are you doing here? Here's a blonde haired Asian kid in the middle of the Congo. And they were in the middle of a war and he didn't know. Very bad war. Very bad war. And he had no idea. And he told him, I'm here to look for this dinosaur. And they're like, you should not be here, but (laughs) he's there anyway. So he went looking uh, and he was, he ended up having like this German roommate, but that's a whole different part of the story. But he ended up, they both went into the jungle together to go look for this thing. They ended up both getting lost, and like on their last day of, basically, they were hopefully were probably going to be alive because they were lost. They were just doing circles. Starving to death. Yeah, and they, had, they were running out of food. Um, they seen a pygmy guy up in one of the trees, and he came flying down the tree and uh, basically like talked to him, like waved to him. He was friendly, and they like gestured they needed food and stuff. So he had them follow him. And they he they followed him back to his little village, and it was just like five minutes from where they were lost at. So they were just there, like hidden in the jungle. He said they made one turn around this tree, and there was like a whole village was just hidden behind it. And uh, so he met them. They helped them. They fed them and stuff, and led them back out of the jungle. He never did find Mokeli and Mbembe, but he wanted to go back. Years later, he wanted to go back and 
uh, I guess, finish his mission. He wanted to see it, and he wanted to meet the pygmy people again, talk to him again. So he went back years later, and he got in touch with people that could take him back to that tribe. And he went back, and they, you know, reminisced a little bit about their times together before. And then they took him on a guided tour to go see it. And then supposedly that's when he did lay witness. He was able to see Mo the famous Mokeli and Bimbe. But David Choi was his name. It's a really good story. I forget the episode of Joe Rogan is on. But Just look it up. Yeah. yeah, it won't be hard to find. So speaking of the pygmies, we I have a little information provided by them. Ooh, okay. About the and Bimbe. So the, the pygmies of the, Lika, the Likalora Swamp, so that's a bunch of... Say that pretty much Mokelion Bambay's diet only consists of one type of plant, and that's the Melabuo, the the Melambu plant, Melambu okay. plant, Melambu plant. We'll go with that. Uh, and you kind of said that one of the, the names of it earlier. Yes. Uh, the Melabu plant uh, is actually described as two different plants: the Landifloria manii and Landifloria ovariusi. So the Mokelion Bambay mostly lives its time underwater. It eats and travels, or only comes on land when it eats or travels to another part of the swamp. It's been reported to, it does not like hippos and will kill them on sight, but it does not eat them. Mm. Hippos cannot be found anywhere where and Bimbe lives. It is reported that and Bimbe will overturn birds, boats and kill people uh, from their boats by biting them and hitting them with its tail or its head, but it has been described not to eat people. Hmm. It was believed to be a sauropod, but most scientists and paleontologists doubt it would be hostile or carnivorous due to the fact that it that they are over you know a thousand kinds of plants in the Congo. Yeah. So before we get to some explanations, let's talk about if it's a hoax. Ooh, a hundred year hoax. It, it happens. Yeah. Uh, it happens. Sure. Uh, scientists usually agree that the creature is a hoax, but they but others believe it could be a species. Of bird or other animal. A bird? I don't know what that means. I don't know if it's like a giant cormorant. A giant sandhill crane? No, like a cormorant, like the aquatic birds. Oh, the ones you ran over? No, that's a coot. Oh, okay. Uh, the evidence of its hoax <laughs> tends to be that the fossil record shows that no sauropod survived the uh, massive extinction event, you know, blah, blah, blah. The coelacanth did, though, but the coelacanth doesn't have a fossil record. Basically, it's just a bunch of the normal science doubting everything. Right. Uh, Absolutely. But yeah, so that's kind of what the the hoax aspect is of it. There's not a lot to go on there. Like, there's nobody, there's not a uh, anthropologist or anything pointing at like it being a spiritual tradition for these people locals. Yeah. Yeah. Or anything like that. You know, more of a. There's nothing that points at it to be more of a precautionary tale or a fairy tale. Right. Uh. So there's not a lot of evidence that it's a hoax. The biggest one, though, is that the footprints are all wrong for it to be a sauropod. Right. Uh, sauropods had five toes. Some examples have four because their thumb, or not their thumb, but the, the the fifth digit is higher up on the foot, so it doesn't leave it in the track. Mm -hmm. uh, Bebe always has three. So we know it's not that, mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. mm. So, or, you know, it could be anything. So let's let's talk about what Mokelion Bimbe could be. Okay. So uh, some people believe that the animal is a giant lizard with a long neck. So we're going to talk about covergent evolution. Like we talked about, it's not a sauropod, but it happens to be some giant uh, semi-aquatic lizard that's herbivorous. A lot of lizards eat, uh, are herbivorous, like a giant marine iguana. 
that just happens to live in a river eat plants. Mm-hmm. Uh, but can come out on land to travel. Makes sense. So it's that kind of thought. What do you think about that one? Um, could be. It's just... And how many lizards have big, long necks? None alive. Hmm. How many in our fossil record? There's a couple. I mean, there's a... Lizards have had a very diverse past. Okay. Uh, they just... Yeah, there's some big lizards today, but they took they definitely took a different role when mammals came on the scene. Gotcha. I'm just trying to think. That's the one description out of everything that's like throwing me, because I could see it being like this or that or that, but with that big long neck that everyone seems to describe, it's throwing me off a little bit. And the neck's not super long either. Most of the time, it's three to four feet. It's long, but not like. Not like giraffe long? Not giraffe long. Because that's what I'm picturing in my head. Mm-mm. And that's why a lot of the, the depictions of Mokele and Bimbe painted as this giant sauropod. Yeah. That has like a 30-foot neck. And that's not the descriptions. Yeah, true. Hmm. So we're not we're not liking the big lizard thing. Doesn't seem. So let's move on. Yeah, no. Uh, maybe just complete misidentification or misunderstanding or lost in translation kind of thing. Like, this could be a species, or a rhino, just a flat-out rhino, one of the species that live in Africa. Uh, they're not known for being great swimmers. Uh, I don't think they can actually swim at all. I think they can if they need to. Mm-hmm. But they generally avoid the water in, uh, in wet areas. Yeah. The only species I can think that kind of doesn't fit that is the Java rhino from, uh, like, Indonesia kind of areas, or Java, for example. They're a forest rhino. Okay. But most rhinos do not like forests. They don't like being crowded in. Yeah. How about elephants? We talked about that already. Yeah, with the trunk up. Yep. Big. They are really good swimmers. Elephants are very good swimmers. But the three-toed part kind of throws that part off. Yeah, and you can always take it that uh, the tracks aren't preserving correctly or people are really seeing what they want to see. Yeah, true. True, but I would imagine with as much consistency as we can get from all the tracks. But a benefit for the elephant example is that they do not like hippos. True, yeah. Elephants and hippos generally don't get along if they don't have to. Like, they'll avoid each other mostly. Is there any, like, remnant of a... Because the skin color and stuff like that does kind of lead to elephant. I could see that. You know, not being, like... Um, well, elephants not, are mostly gray. Gray, but not being, like, scaly, you know, having that smoother... It does kind of sound more like an Asian elephant, not an African elephant. Oh, okay. As African or Asian elephants are that dark kind of brown. Okay, yeah. And it's not furry, it's not feathery, Mm-mm. it's it's not really... But no long, rep- but yeah, no crest on the back of the neck, nothing like that. Yeah, oh yeah, and then that, yeah, that's even another factor. It might be like a hybrid. There you go. It's an elephant and giraffe hybrid. Mm-hmm. I hate hippos. I hate hippos. Oh, yeah, that animal would hate hippos. What Pretty about- much every animal in Africa hates, hates hippos. Hates hippos, yeah. Because hippos are kind of a-holes. What, what, what about those uh, long-necked turtles? That is, that could be, you know, a, a giant one of there's those. There's not very many uh, vegetarian turtles. Yeah, but there are a couple. Is that one of them? Uh, what, what are you talking about? The ones with the long snake necks. Oh, side neck turtles, African side neck turtles. Uh, uh, no, they're they're predatory. Oh, okay. But they're not saying that there couldn't be a species of them. So giant turtle could be an option. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, one that keeps coming up, and I don't quite get why, is a giant pangolin. Pangolin? Pangolin. Pangolin. Not a penguin. The pangolins are the armored anteaters. 
they look like pine cones. Oh, yeah, ball, yeah, yeah. Ball. Yeah. There are some species in the recent history that have been very large. Hmm. You know, up to, you know, 16 feet long. Yeah. They have a long, thick tail. Not a long neck. Hmm. They pretty much just look like big pangolins. Like, they didn't look very different. Yeah, they're just gigantic size. Yeah. Okay, interesting. I don't understand why that one keeps coming up. And all the research, it keeps popping up. Maybe people, maybe just one person really liked them. And it keeps. And just keeps putting it out yeah. there. <laughs> and then they ban him from the internet and he comes up with a new name. Mm-hmm. He's trying to force the penguin into the zeitgeist. So, all those are wrong. Okay. Every one of them. I just put them out there so people could know the wrong answers. First. Before the correct answer. Oh, boy. The answer I'm about to share, I am pretty confident in all my research that this is the first time that this explanation has been shared for this cryptid. Oh. And I don't get why. Because this cryptid, or this animal I'm about to share, did live in the area, does have a long neck, does have a short mane, does have a temper, uh, would not like hippos, is a little larger than an elephant, and there's some evidence that they may have been semi-aquatic. Hmm. The Paracerotherium. Now, that is a mouthful. Uh, but they, guess what? The biggest thing that always pointed him to me is Paracerotheriums leave three-toed tracks. Oh, okay. They have full, They have five toes. What is it? Their track leaves a Paracerotherium. So uh, everybody, if you are not driving, look it up at home. It is a cousin of mo- the modern rhino family. Okay. Uh, it does have a substantially large neck. Nothing like a giraffe, but, you know, a, a long neck, a small head relatively compared to their body. Their body builds very similar. The actual body and legs are very similar to that of an elephant. Okay. Uh, they are larger than an elephant. They do have a long tail, but not like a powerful tail. Uh, they have the stubby mane, and there is some evidence showing that they may have been slightly aquatic. Hmm. Uh, they died out. Well, I have I have facts about the Paracerotherium here in a minute, but they lived in the area. They had tempers, and okay, you ready just to get into some Paracerotherium stuff? I, I'm looking up the pictures of them right now too. They're 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 big. They're huge. They're bigger than elephants. They got long necks. Mm-hmm. They're gray. They got we don't that. know their color. We just put okay. that on there. Okay, gotcha. Well, they got like the skin like an elephant. And do you remember that it may have horns? Yes, I do remember that. But what so, if that's just its ears? That could be. That's one thing. Okay. The other thing is that this is in the rhino family. Uh, there's some evidence that he may have had pseudo horns. So the oh. first starts of that family group's uh, what they became known for later. Okay. Is that they, but they had like little lumps on their head. Huh. This is definitely a a reasonable. So I'll read you about the Paracerotherium as an extinct genus or genus of hornless rhinoceros. It is one of the largest terrestrial mammals to ever exist. It lived in the early to late Oligocene ep- epoch, uh, thirty-four to twenty-three million years ago. Oh my gosh! Not that long ago. That's a million or thousand million. That's kind of a long time ago. But once again, other African animals went extinct 166 million, 166 million years ago. Okay. And popped back up. Oh, okay. That's true. See, they can't. Yeah. Or that and pterosaurs. So we want to... True. For our Kangamoto episode. That's true. Uh, the first fossils were discovered in what is now Pakistan. Uh, the remains have been found pretty much everywhere in Eurasia, China, Africa, 
they're they're pretty much everywhere in that area. Uh, they are classified as a member of the Paraceratheria Day, which means near the hornless beast. Hmm. Um, so yeah, the exact size of Paraceratherium is unknown because of the incompleteness of all of our fossils. The shoulder height, though, would be roughly around 4.8 meters, 15 and a half feet. And the length would be somewhere in the 7.4 meters or 24 feet. It had an estimated weight between 15 to 20 tons. That's 33 to 44,000 pounds. Its long neck supported a skull that was about uh, four feet long. It had large tusk-like incisors and... Uh, a pseudo trunk, an upper lip pseudo trunk. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, that so, some people could confuse for one giant tooth or giant horn. Maybe. Oh, it did have giant. It had four giant incisors like a hippo. Mm, okay. Uh, so they were really dramatic. Uh, it, it had a nasty bite. Uh, its legs were long and very pillar-like. Its lifestyle, the Paraceratherium, uh, we think they were similar to modern elephant or animals such as elephants and uh, some extinct rhinos. But because of its size, it would it would have few predators. It had a slow rate of reproduction. It was a browser eating mainly leaves, soft plants, and, and shrubs. It lived in a habitat ranging from arid deserts, from scattered trees, to subtropical rainforests, to swamps. Mm. It didn't... So this is a... Well, I will talk about it here. The reason for this animal's extinction is completely unknown. But various factors have been proposed. So this is an animal that lived in every conceivable habitat range. Right. Uh, it was outside being a, it's when it was born, it was the size of a small rhino. Okay. Oh gosh. It's a big baby. It was pretty much, they lived their entire life outside of the predation circles. Okay. The reason for going extinct doesn't make any sense. A lot of paleontologists argue from every right, they should still be around. Well, I mean, didn't most megafauna get... They died out much later. Most megafauna died at the end of the Ice Age. Oh, gotcha. So these were just gone before it, even yes. that happened. Okay. It doesn't make any sense. No hmm. one can figure it out. They were completely outside of the predation circle. They had their pick of habitat. They had their pick of food. Nothing could bully them off a feeding site. Hmm. The only thing these things were scared of were each other. And there's some evidence that they may have been semi-social, kind of like rhinos, where they're not really looking for each other, but they're not really going to probably push each other away. Gotcha. Uh this animal, like I said, every living right should it should still be around, or it should have been made it a lot longer than it did. When we yeah. see the other giant, there was a lot more species of elephant in Africa besides the African elephant, hmm. uh, and they all went extinct towards the end of the Ice Age. Mm-hmm. Um, so they disappeared from the fossil record uh, twenty three million years ago. But extinction has been a, a huge argument due to many reasons. Uh, did not like other herbivores and became very aggressive very fast. So we have a lot of evidence of them stomping everything to death. Which is what accounts for a lot of things today. Yeah. Mokele and Bembe. Yeah. Hyper aggressive. Mokele and Bembe. Having horns or maybe tusk. The oh. giant incisors. Known for only seen eating vegetation. Yeah. Soft vegetation. That's a preferable food source. Hmm. You don't got to eat woody stuff. You're not going to. Uh, Paraceratherium lived in every habitat. There is some evidence they had very dense bones. So why we think... So keep in mind, the hippo similarities. Yeah. Hippos have very dense bones. They are negatively buoyant. Yeah. uh, So they can run along the bottom of rivers. Paraceratherium would be negatively buoyant. It had giant incisors. Hippos have giant incisors. Mm -hmm. We seem to have a lot of convergent evolution that may be having the same niche. If uh, Paraceratherium's... 
for every reason, they hippos shouldn't be in their spot. It should be Paracerotheriums. Yeah. Um, the giant. They probably only had one calf every four to five years. Uh, super super slow reproduction rate because they didn't get eaten. Right. Yeah. What, what's what's going to eat them? These things really only die to old age. Hmm. Um. Out can uh, so like the American mastodon or the American mammoth went extinct or had a lot of trouble mainly because of bison. When the bison came in, they were faster in getting to grazing areas. Before they could? Yes. Gotcha. But these were not ground grazers. These were upland vegetation grazers. These were eating stuff tall. That's why they were tall. I mean, this is taller than a giraffe. Uh, we're talking literally about a monstrous animal. Like a giraffe mixed with a... If the, if an elephant this was... This is four size foot of a, taller than a giraffe. Yeah. The elephant and a giraffe mixed. And then uh, swallowed eight hippos. Mm-hmm. There you go. So what do you think about the Paraceratherium? Very plausible. And this also, I don't know if we, did we talk about this episode being like time slips and stuff, especially in like areas like the Congo or what if this is just another one? And that could be another explanation. It literally is just a seropod. Yeah. Coming out of time. Just, or is that Paraceratherium a seropod? No, sorry. You're talking about the Paraceratherium not making it to modern day, but just being a time slip. Yeah. I could see that, but it did not go. I, we maybe just that's stopped why, finding fossils. Maybe that's why they all went forward in time. That could be. They all advanced and they figured it out. So the the lack of fossil evidence is what they classify as an extinction of hmm. the species. But as we've seen time and time and time again, that's not always true. That just because they disappear from the fossil record, right? Doesn't, doesn't mean, mean they're they went gone. Extinct. What if what if something? What if someone's going back in time? And zapping these animals to random points in the future, and then they just pop up as mm. we live life. You know, there we go. That That's why they're not a lot of cryptids. No fossil record, nothing. It's just gone. It never even existed. They did go. exist. They just skipped that whole period mm-hmm. of time to become a fossil. There we go. Until someone finds it, and some guy named Rick and shoots it. You, you tagging Rick? My lives behind the, my house or what? I don't, he has all those Bigfoot carcasses stapled up on his wall maybe there you go he has the only mothman skull i know <laughs> i want to meet this person that you're describing <laughs> i know right uh but yeah i really think that it's paraceratherium uh, i think that fits a description pretty perfectly i will say that's the only description of everything that was listed that actually matches almost all of the mm-hmm. almost all, every account it kind of except the tail but not well, everything yeah. had the tail Exactly. The tail seemed to be an added thing later. And that could have been something like just someone could have seen something further down the river that looked like a tail coming up. It could have been a second one. It it could have been that following it. Following it, yeah. Because whatever it is, it seems like it's around and it does have a decent enough population to be spread out just a little bit. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying like tens of thousands of them. No, but there's three countries that these things are being seen in. Exactly. Pretty, not regularly, but rare. They're still seen. They're still seen. Yeah. So I, I bet there's a small little pocket of population still existing. I really think they're paraceratheriums. Wouldn't that be something? I think they're out there. And I think they're looking... There. I think they're doing the surveys wrong. Mm. I think the Smithsonian was very close to catching one. Yeah. I think... Uh, oh, then the sounds. The large bellowing. Oh, yeah. It's really similar to... Everything I've read, it kind of makes it really similar to the elephant sounds. Yeah. And this creature would probably have a similar vocal range. Okay, so this is for everyone out there listening, you know, in your cars. If, if you would like to fund our trip to the Congo, yeah, 
Join to- Patreon. You can select a donation amount. Pick $10,000. Yep. <laughs> and we will go to the Congo next month. Uh, I will do it in a heartbeat. Uh, well, I need a little bit of time. Now, we'll, re- we'll quit. We'll retire. We'll get $10,000 a- is all it takes you to retire? Yeah, but you understand once we find it, it will... It's going to be worth a lot more than $10,000. Big fish and hook with a watermelon. <laughs> there you go. If anyone can catch it, it's you. I don't know about that. The Congo. So that's that's, what we're, that's something we haven't really talked about yet, is that uh, the Congo is not the easiest place to do research in. At all. And I really think that's helped it hide. For sure. And I think it would have been found probably a long time ago if it wasn't for that. I agree, because I don't think any... Uh, first of all, I don't think modern science wants to go out and like discover this thing with all the difficulties it's going to take to discover with all it. the difficulties, not because it doesn't want to discover it, just because it doesn't want to deal with it. Right. This but, isn't, you know why we go always go to the Amazon? Uh, why? It's because we pretty much got the whole Amazon ran. There's still a little bit of drug trafficking and stuff like that. Oh yeah. But it's a tourist destination now. They have literally fishing charters going down there every week. You ever played uh, the Amazon Trail computer game? Mm-mm. Uh, I just had a nostalgia moment. Fun game. So the Amazon has been commercialized. Uh, it's I can see that. It's fairly safe. Uh, the Congo has not. No, not at all. No, the Congo has a war about every 10 years. I feel like once you step in the jungle, it's just like stepping back in time. And then a lot of their snakes, they don't have anti-venom for. Nobody, I mean, just nobody has anti-venom for. Mm-hmm. Uh, every insect is basically venomous or poisonous, depending on which way you want to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you eat it, you'll die. If it eats you, you'll die. Yeah. That kind of deal. It sounds like a wonderful place. Yeah, it's it's a super hard. Like, uh, there was a guy, a herpetologist that I was reading about, not for this, something else. He got he was discovered a new species of false water cobra, or thought he did, and it was a new species of water cobra, and he got bit by it and died. <laughs> not funny, but... But the thing is, false water cobras... Are venomous too. Yeah, there's less venomous than the water cobra. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, nuts. And these swamps are full of them. Full oh, I of bet. all kinds of venomous snakes. Yep. You, they got nothing out there to tear up their environment, really. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, so, Congo is nuts. Yeah. Bottom so, line. What's your final opinion on Michaeli and Bembe? <sighs> you might have convinced me. Paraceratherium. Yeah, I've been I do. doing this a lot more lately. Well, you've been being converted. I'm, I'm gonna go with that or some water uh, elephant giraffe. Water elephant giraffe, same thing. Just something like that. Or I mean, I don't like saying the dinosaur because I just I don't even know what dinosaurs. I still can't even understand what that. It's something completely different than any animal we got living today. Mm-hmm. But I just don't think it's that. I don't think it's that. I'm gonna. I like that theory. I'm going to go with it. Okay. All right. You hear it here first. Michaelian Bembe is a paraceratherium. All right. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Crypt of the Corn Podcast. We appreciate your support. Thank you all of our Patreon members. Uh, if you'd like to join Patreon, super easy. There's links on Facebook. Uh, there should be links in this description below, uh, I think. Should be. I, there should be, but I don't forget them. All right. Thank you. And... You've been listening to Cryptids of the Corn. Be sure to join us in the next episode where we tantalize your intellect and expand the horizons of your mind. If you're enjoying the show, 
please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we really appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Until then, stay magical. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.